Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, Patricia has an article for us. Do you want to give us a high level of what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, sure. So today we're going to be talking about sleep, and I feel like I like to read articles about sleep because we've talked about this a few times. (laughs) Um, But it's about how your leaders can actually impact how well an employee sleeps. So kind of an interesting spin on it. But before we do that, I want to say, we're back. (laughs) We're back. We've been on a break and we're back now. That's our new theme song. It is. It's a good theme song. I like it. I like it. Yes. So as our loyal listeners will know, um, our producer, Allie, was on maternity leave. And this is our first episode recording um, back kind of close to the time frame that it's going to launch. So we're now in August of 2020. And we haven't recorded since May, I believe, right? Yeah. It's been a while. It has. So, and I, and probably as you've been listening to our episodes, you keep hearing us say, we don't know what it's going to be like then. We don't know what it's going to be like then. (laughs) Well, we're here now and we know what it was like. And it was really not that different. No, it's basically the same. We were like thinking maybe it would be better or it could have been worse. And it's sort of similar. I mean, things are more opened up, I guess, than they were in May, but not by, I mean, at least around here, people like truly are not doing that much stuff. Um, and everybody's still wearing masks everywhere around here anyway. Um, and also like pe- restaurants and stuff that are open, like they're only open for outdoor dining and everybody's like super spread out and whatever. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's like pretty much, yeah, pretty much the same. The future is here. <laughs> And it looks a lot like the past. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Similar here. You know, people are wearing masks. I mean, a lot of areas near us, actually, where we live, there's a mandate. Like, you will get a, not just a mandate, but like a fine. So yeah. if you aren't wearing a mask, you will have to pay up. Um, and yeah, restaurants, similarly. Some restaurants chose not to open for dine in at all. Like, they're just doing takeout mm-hmm. still. And then other restaurants have opened. But same idea they're out in the patios or parking lots have been transformed into yeah. patios or even some places like the street um so yeah. it's it's a weird world but i haven't actually i know katina you went out somewhere last weekend but i haven't ventured to a restaurant yet and it it's weird like i miss it a lot but i'm also like scared <laughs> well wait where did i go i don't think i went anywhere didn't you say you sat on the grass at a restaurant oh um yeah yes i did uh the, it yeah the reason it didn't feel like it was anywhere is because like it's basically like a picnic on a lawn like you get there and you uh you order your takeout uh ahead of time and then you like pick up a bag of takeout and then you sit on the lawn with it so it didn't really feel uh, like i was at a restaurant because you don't really like interact with anyone yeah, that's so why no, i wasn't like, thinking waiter or right. waitress or anybody right there okay you just kind of like get your food and then you sit on the grass you that sit on sense. the grass uh but but yes but actually that does technically count i was like wait where did i go <laughs> <laughs> patricia tell me my life what did i do um no uh yes you're right um, but we have been, um, very busy, uh, doing lots of consulting work and speaking and presenting. Um, so interestingly, we've been, even though we were on a break from the podcast, we have been just super duper busy, which, um, has been 
really fun and engaging and exciting to be doing all that. So um, that was a really uh, nice surprise that we ended up uh, getting uh, so many wonderful like uh, folks reaching out, uh, asking us to help them work on wellness and diversity and inclusion related topics during this time. So um, that has been very, uh, very rewarding. It has been. It's I mean, it's honestly been the busiest time, I think, of worker being history. Yeah. And which is great. I mean, it's been awesome. And we I don't think we anticipated it at all. We had like a lot of plans and like projects we're going to work on, um, which I think we're still working on, but much more slowly because of all the client work. So it's been it's been awesome. It's been exciting. And it's kind of a funny it's a funny place to be because we, that wasn't happening yet in May. We had yeah. like maybe some signs of something, but I think really it started a little bit later. And now all of a sudden we're like in a totally different place while still just staying at home. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's been really interesting because we've been delivering a lot of our, uh, you know, content that we would normally deliver in person, like speaking wise, presentation wise, trainings and things like that um, virtually, but it's been working out well. Um, and yeah, that's, that's just been um, super uh, super exciting. And, um, we really like all the people we've been working with. So for everybody that has reached out, thank you. And anybody that, uh, is interested in reaching out, frankly, we're, we're really loving it. So, um, we're happy to hear from you as well. This has been a really, a time where we've really been able to like learn and grow. And I think that any of you also out there that have, uh, side businesses or thing or main businesses that you're working on, um, I think sometimes you hit like a momentum where all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, like we're doing it. Like there's stuff going <laughs> and whatever. And uh, I feel like in the last couple of months with, you know, so much of more of a focus on uh, wellness and workplace cultures and diversity and inclusion, all the things that have been going on in the world. It's just a um, it's been a time where people need a lot more guidance in that space. And we've been really happy to provide um, mm -hmm. some of that guidance for folks. So that has been fun. Yeah. And. I mean, kind of on that note, another project that we're undertaking is trying to figure out website stuff. We want to update mm -hmm. our website. So hopefully, I mean, this is going to launch in a couple weeks, I think. So hopefully by then we've got somebody determined to work on our yeah. website. If not, reach out just in case. If you yeah. work on websites and you have some awesome talents to share. Because I think one thing that uh, we learned as we've been talking to people and working with clients is that we could probably share some of our expertise a little bit more effectively on our website. So that yeah. is the goal as well. I mean, all of you that listen know that we talk about research all the time and have a sense as to who we are. But uh, if you land on our website for the first time, I don't know if we do as good of a job there. So if you have tips or tricks or anything that you want to share to help us out there, we would love to hear that too. Yeah, definitely. I think um, especially uh, women, we know from the research and um, – just anecdotally, uh, we're less likely to uh, kind of toot our own horn in a space. But uh, what we've been learning is that um, if you don't loudly toot your horn online, people don't know why they should be on your site or why they should be listening to you as an expert. And um, obviously, our differentiator is that we have a lot of education in this area. And so we want to make sure that that actually comes through and uh, as a differentiator for us. So for anybody else who might be listening and has something that you're working on, if you feel like you're shying away from letting it be known why someone should spend time on your site or engaging with your materials or whatever, because it feels funny, um, we've had to learn. And, and I think we're growing a lot more comfortable with like, 
don't let it feel funny. You're doing this for a reason and you want as you want it to reach as you want your business to reach as many people as possible. And it can't do that unless people really understand what you're doing. And that requires you to give a little more background on what you do. Um, so, <laughs> and why you're good at it. Um, so yeah, that was something that we've really had to learn, but I think we've been, uh, taking it to heart and we're going to do a better job of it moving forward, which will be reflected in the site. Yes. And we're excited about that. I think it is always funny to know something about research, like, like what you're talking about the whole gender piece, right? Women are less likely to vocalize and kind of promote themselves. And it's funny knowing that we've always known that not always, but (laughs) since we learned it years and years and years ago, we've known this and yet we fell into the same trap. So, um, that has been interesting kind of to dissect in my brain as to how I allowed that to happen. But I think that's just, I mean, it's there in the research for a reason, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's interesting also that when you get different people to look at your materials, different people see different things that you're not seeing. So, uh, Mm -hmm. we spoke with somebody who actually is from a web design company. Like he helps other people do web design. And, uh, he was saying to us that, on his own website, it was unclear that what he did was web design uh, a while ago. And someone else saw it and pointed out, like, I go to your website and I can't really tell what you do. Like, as soon as I get there, it doesn't say welcome to this site. This is what we do. This is why we're good at it. And he was like, oh, my gosh, I help other people do this. And my site doesn't have it. So I think it's just like a, also a good lesson learned to have other people take a look at and give you honest feedback about um, about your stuff. Um, I would just was in a session cause, um, this week is the Academy of Management conference, which is a conference I would usually go to in person every year this year. It was supposed to be in Vancouver, but we're doing it virtually for the first time, which actually has been kind of all right. Like I'm okay with it. Um, it's been going well, but, um, someone mentioned that whenever you write a manuscript, you should get an unfriendly review um, on it. And usually people say you want a friendly review, like, Oh, could you do this for me as a favor? And, you know, as my friend look over the manuscript and let me know what you think of it. But they were saying you really need to push yourself to find an unfriendly review or push the reviewer. Not that the person is not friendly in real life, but push whoever's looking at your stuff to be unfriendly and be critical. Like you don't want somebody that's just going to be like, this is great. And then you submit it and it has a bunch of problems and you find out, when it matters that it has a bunch of problems. So I think similarly in this case, like um, it's really good to get critical feedback on your materials from people because they'll see things that you don't see. And if they feel uncomfortable telling you or you haven't made it clear that that's what you want them to do, they might just be like, oh, looks great. But then you never actually learn the truth about what your stuff is sending, messages it's sending or whatever. It's not like our stuff was terrible or anything. It's just like, there's a lot of tweaks that we could make that looking at it from an external perspective, it was helpful to gather that information while we were taking a break from the podcast. We had some time for some other things. Yep, exactly. I think that's like a perfect example, like just having that exterior perspective. Yeah. Critical, unfriendly review. It's kind of a funny way to put it, but yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) And I mean, also just having people that don't have the same expertise as you. I mean, obviously in what you're talking about when it comes to writing a paper, different story, but when it comes to something like in your business, it's always good to just ask advice and, you know, have some contacts that are different than you in terms of your experience that can help give you a different perspective on what 
you're doing and what you're putting out there and making sure that you're selling your message to people that are not you. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think that, so I think there's been like a lot of growth and change and interesting uh, work that we've been doing. And like I mentioned, we've been like presenting and um, we've been, you know, uh, putting together uh, new materials and we've been thinking about uh, putting together new courses and um, a lot of other um, sort of things in the works as well. So that has all been really interesting. And now we can kind of come back and talk to you about it, but also uh, return to uh, the literature and see what's been going on in the uh, past few months since we've uh, we've left off and uh, some articles that have come out and things of that nature that we can discuss and uh, keep using this to inform the work that we're doing in organizations moving forward as well. So mm -hmm. it's all, it's, we're doing it. It's all coming together. <laughs> Yay. Yay. All right. Well, let's get to our actual article. Then. Yes. Um, I think that was a good little roundup of what's been going on and we're excited to be back. We're excited to be posting more current content and yes. not speculating about two or three months down the road. <laughs> yes. So here we go. Here we go. So my article, let me tell you, yes. it is, I told you about leadership and sleep. And so the article is called very simply the relationship between leadership support and sleep. Wow. <laughs> that Super really is the simplest article title we've heard in a long time. I know. And I kind of love that. It's me too. I mean, why do we need to explain the entire paper in a title? I don't know. So. I don't know. I appreciate it. Um, it me was published too. In the Journal of Occupational Health Psychology this year, so it's very new, um, actually, since we took our little break, which has kind of been fun, uh, yeah. side note, since we had that little break, we haven't been diving into articles as frequently, and so there's like a backlog of new stuff that we get to go through. Um, and it was written by oh, authors, yes, it was written by, see, I can't, this is the problem, I'm so bad, there's so many author names, and my pronunciation's always terrible, but I'm going to say it and hope I'm right. Um, okay. Cianosia. Crane, Hammer, Bodner, Brockwood, Lopresti, and Shea. Well, that sounds pretty good. A lot of names. I um, think you got it right. <laughs> I hope so. Um, any authors listening, sorry if I butchered your name, but sorry. we're very appreciative of your work. Um, and of course, we'll have a link in our show notes, so you'll be able to see the spelling of the name and probably pronounce better than I did. You can take, <laughs> you can place bets if Patricia said them right or not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but like I said, the summary of it is really around the fact that leaders can impact how well employees sleep. And it dives into a couple different concepts. So it talks about two main concepts around leaders' behaviors. So one is called sleep leadership, which is something I've never heard of before. Have you? No. It sounds enjoyable, though. Mm hmm. It's interesting sleep leadership it just like makes me I don't know I, I'm trying to like in, when I heard the term I was like what is a sleep leader look like and I just didn't know what that would be just a leader who's sleeping <laughs> they're always sleeping they're always telling you to go to sleep they're just all about sleep <laughs> they have like an out of office message during the day that's like taking a nap Bye. they're just like napping on top of their desk <laughs> In, in the middle of Zoom meetings. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, my brain went a little off into what it's okay. a sleep leader can look like. But um, basically what it is, it's the types of behaviors that an, 
a leader can take to actually help improve an employee's sleep. So it includes what they call path goal clarifying behaviors, which is basically helping employees see what they need to get themselves more sleep. Hmm. And then emotional support, which I think is a little more self-explanatory, but showing concern for employees' sleep. Um, So some examples for like the path goal side would be like helping educate employees about what good sleep is like. Like how do you get that sleep? What are some good practices before you go to bed? Um, What can you do to disconnect in the evening? Things like that. And then the supportive behaviors are more like asking, you know, did you get a good night's rest? Um, How are you sleeping? Can, you know, how can we support your sleeping? Things like that. So it's all actually very sleep focused. So it's Hmm. not like supportive just in general. It's supportive of your sleep specifically, which is interesting. That is interesting. So it would be like, you know, a leader who checking in on basically other, you know, vital, are you meeting your basic needs and ensuring that you're actually having a conversation about that. Um, I remember like, I don't even know now, probably 10 years ago, I saw Marshall Goldsmith speak at something. And um, he was saying that uh, as a coach, uh, one of the main things that he does as a practice is he either makes the person that he's coaching get a buddy or he serves as that person's buddy if they don't have someone they want to have as buddy. And he has them ask like a few questions every day of their buddy. So at the start of every day, they have to ask a few questions and one of the questions was, how did you sleep last night? Oh. And, and so he said the questions were like, what are your goals for today? What might be some challenges to facing those goals? How do you plan to overcome those goals? And then it was, how is your physical health today? And is there anything you need to do to address your physical health to make that better? Your mental health and what might you need to do to honor your mental health? And then how did you sleep and what could you do to get better sleep tonight? So he had this like list of questions that he made them coach each other on. And he said the sleep one was the one that had like a huge like awakening for a lot of executives that he coached that like they weren't thinking about their sleep at all. Interesting. So yeah, sleep leadership and practice. Yeah. Without the concept necessarily. Because the concept's new. It's um, yeah. It's from 2015. So it's not super studied. Yeah. But apparently there's some anecdotal evidence and some practitioners out there already doing this. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was just making that link in my mind when you were talking about it. It like took me back to that like a decade ago when I remember he was talking about that in a session and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like I never really thought about directly asking an executive like how'd you sleep and what are you going to do to get better sleep tonight Um, or get just as good sleep if you had a good night of sleep. And I was like, that's interesting. And it would just it was just living in the back of my brain until you just said that. (laughs) Well, it makes a lot of sense, though, because we know sleep is important. We've talked about it before, right? It has an impact on your mood, your well-being, your work performance, your mental health, all sorts of good things. So obviously we know sleep is very important. So sleep leadership is important and makes a lot of sense. So I'm excited about this concept existing in the world today. Yeah. Um, So there, you know, there have been some other studies on it, like earlier studies, but generally new concept, not a lot done yet. So they talk about sleep leadership in this study, and they also talk about family-supportive supervisor behaviors. Okay. So that's probably something you're more familiar with. (laughs) Yes. Um, That concept is really around, you know, having your leader show behaviors that they're supportive of your family life, your non-work life, helping you manage your responsibilities across both. 
um, and just, you know, empathizing and showing support for your desire to balance both work and non-work. Okay, cool. So, um, so they talked about family supportive, um, supervisor behaviors in relation to sleep leadership. How do those two things relate? Yeah. So they're actually looking at how both of these different sets of behaviors impact sleep. So oh, they looked cool. at okay. sleep leadership and the support at family supportive behaviors and how, if you have these things happening with your leader, how does it actually impact your sleep? So then they looked at sleep in three different ways. Sleep quantity, which you've talked about plenty of times, which is how much you sleep. Sleep quality, which is how good your sleep is. So, you know, are you able to stay asleep once you fall asleep? Um, are you able to just kind of go through the night or are you going to be constantly waking up, things like that? And mm-hmm. then the third concept was sleep hygiene, which I also haven't read a lot about. I don't know. No. Have you? No, I don't know what it's, that is. I know. It, I read it and I was like, hygiene is an interesting word because it makes me think of like cleanliness, obviously, which right. I'm sure everybody else is thinking. But what it is, is it's actually the behaviors and the factors that help you sleep better. So oh. if I have good sleep hygiene, then I'm avoiding caffeine over a certain time. I'm putting my computer away before bed, like getting close to bedtime so I can disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to bed at a consistent time each day. I'm trying to go to bed without stress or anxiety. So doing something with my mental health before I get into bed. So like doing things to help you sleep, like actively hmm. doing those things. Um, That's so awesome. That was an interesting concept. Yeah. I know that yeah. that makes a big difference because um, people that I know who have trouble sleeping, one of the things that they say is at least useful for getting them into a place where they are less likely to have trouble sleeping is to have some kind of like a cue up of Mm -hmm. this is what I do when I get ready to go to bed. I read a book. I don't look at my phone. I, you know, some people might be like, I have a cup of like non-caffeinated decaf. Why did I say non-caffeinated tea (laughs) or something like that? Like um, that they have like a whole routine which it sounds like that's kind of what this is to get your body into the mode of like, and now it is time for me to go to bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Sleep hygiene is definitely all about like, how do you get yourself ready for bed and promote good sleep? So, so those are the things they looked at. So basically what they did is they measured, it was an interesting sample. It was a sample of um, service members in the national guard. So I thought that was kind of a unique sample too. Yeah. Um, So they looked at, the National Guard individuals and their leaders. So they had both employees and supervisors complete surveys on the supervisor behaviors. So not about the sleep. They didn't ask a supervisor if somebody had good sleep because that's gotcha. silly. But they asked a supervisor whether or not they were a sleep leader, right? So, hmm. you know, do I ask my subordinates about how their sleeping habits? And they also asked the employees whether or not the supervisor asked them about their sleeping habits. Hmm. And then they also asked them about the that family supportive behavior as well. So that piece, they asked employees, you know, does your supervisor make you feel comfortable talking to him or her about the conflict between work and non-work, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then they would ask the supervisor if they make their employees feel comfortable about having these conversations about non-work conflicts. Gotcha. So, like, thing, questions along those lines were asked to both groups. So then they understood... You know, whether the employee thinks the person is a good sleep leader and thinks the person is supportive of their, you know, family non-work life. And then the leader also says whether or not they believe they do these things. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. 
So that's yes, that makes sense. The first piece. Then the second piece, they measured all the things I talked about. So they measured sleep hygiene, they measured measured sleep quality and sleep quantity over 21 days, and they measured it um, both subjectively, like meaning I filled out a questionnaire, but then I also was measured it with a watch. They had like a little sleep measuring watch <laughs> hmm. that they wore during the time and so and this watch was able to track how long a person slept so that's a more objective sleep quantity and then the sleep quality piece where they were able to see like if people woke up throughout the night um, okay based on the watch so they so had it was like a sleep metrics. tracker kind of thing yeah yep okay exactly. cool yeah um yeah like you've probably seen those like in the, a lot of activity trackers and things they have um that functionality too, where you can see like, when did you sleep? When did you wake up? That kind of right, stuff. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So what they found was, I thought was really interesting because it's not what you would necessarily expect. Hmm. Um, so if I'm a leader and I think that I, um, am doing sleep leadership. So I'm, I'm asking questions about sleep and things like that. Mm-hmm. It actually is no relation to anything. So it doesn't matter what I think. That doesn't huh. change my employee's sleep at all. That's interesting. But if I as an employee think my leader is a good sleep leader, then I actually have better sleep quality. Huh. So wait, I have a question. Was there a low correlation between people who thought they were good at this and what their employees thought? Like, Yep. Okay, yeah. So people yes. just like are bad at knowing if they actually do this. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, but it gets a little more complicated. So yes, like it, there was a, to Katina's point, if you looked at how employees and managers rated themselves, there wasn't a strong relationship. So mm-hmm. a lot of leaders said, yeah, I'm great. And then their employees were like, eh, not so much. Yeah. But then some of them thought they were great. And then there was just like, a, there's no pattern. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's, that's important. But we do see that if an employee thinks the leader is asking these questions and the employee thinks that the leader cares about their sleep, then they tend to have better sleep quality. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And then it was also, um, yeah, it was related to both components of sleep quality. So they measure two different areas of sleep quality. But anyways, either way, admit that they felt that they were getting better sleep because it wasn't the yeah. objective piece. It was the subjective piece. So my questionnaires. So I mm-hmm. felt like I was sleeping better if I thought my leader was asking me questions. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So then if we look at the family supportive behaviors, this one's the weird one. Hmm. So if I'm a supervisor and I think I'm supporting my employees in terms of their work life balance, then my employees actually had better sleep hygiene so they're more likely hmm. to disconnect at the end of the day. They're more likely to have that routine before bed. And they're also more likely to have better sleep quality based on their own subjective ratings. Okay. So weird because now I think I'm doing this and the employees actually, we see a result. The employees are doing right. better. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And because, did, did they yeah. measure the employee perspective on that one as well? They did. And they didn't find that. So if an employee thought their supervisor was supportive, it didn't relate to sleep quality at all. That's um, so weird. Right. And then, but they did find actually a negative relationship. So if I'm an employee and I think my my leader is very supportive of my family and my work life, I actually sleep less hours. 
Hmm. Objectively. And that's the objective data point, the watch. Huh. So that was weird, too. Yeah. Uh, Did they... I'm wondering if they think it's because people who feel like their supervisor is really good about allowing them to have work-life balance, like, decide to overwork as, like, Mm a way of paying back the leader for their for the flexibility they perceive them to be having. Kind of like when people are like, oh, like we have a policy where you can take as unlimited vacation days when people actually sometimes take less vacation days because mm-hmm. they like appreciate the fact that they have unlimited amounts or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're probably right. Like there's, that's definitely a good theory. I don't know. Like they didn't really, you know, they talked about some ideas like that around it. And, you know, also it it's interesting because if a leader thinks they're doing supportive behaviors, there is an impact, but if the right. employee thinks it, there isn't. And so that is strange, right? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So I think that they, you know, we're talking about how like, well, what exactly does the employee see as being supportive behavior? Is it mm-hmm. something different than like, maybe they're conceptualizing it differently somehow. Yeah. I don't know, but I think you're right. I think there's probably some, there's definitely some other factor going on here. Like yeah. as to why employees that do think their, their leaders are supportive in terms of their family, um, tend to sleep a little bit less. Yeah. It wasn't like a huge relationship. So it's not like they lost like crazy amounts of sleeps, but sleeps. <laughs> crazy <laughs> amounts of sleep. Time for but, sleeps. Time for sleeps. <laughs> but, but they, um, but they did, sleep less and it was significant so i i don't know it was interesting that's interesting Mm -hmm. but but that was from the objective perspective right so that was the watch so another thing that's interesting to know is the number of hours i think i sleep is different than the number of hours the watch says okay so people tend to sleep an hour less than they think they do okay yeah so interesting too well does the watch keep track of like little like micro like oh i woke up and it knows you're awake for like 10 minutes and it counts that as like 10 minutes you weren't sleeping whereas like Mm -hmm. to you you would be like oh i was in bed from this time to this time so i was sleeping whereas the watch is like no you weren't you were awake from like 4 50 to 5 a.m or something yeah that's um that's interesting. I don't know 100%. It said it represents objective sleep quantity and shows the average duration of the major sleep interval identified within each 24-hour period. So I think it measures the whole length of time that you're supposedly okay. asleep. Okay. And then the second measurement, which is a quality measurement, is the one that shows how many times you wake up within your big sleep interval. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So actually, it, it seems that people go to bed later than they think they do, probably. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense as well. Um, okay. And so one more question. Sorry. I have like so many questions about this one. Um, the, uh, the, the data, the non-objective data, was that related to the, the supervisor or the employee ranking or rating of like, whether the person was a family supportive supervisor or not? Is it just the objective data that's having like weird relationships or is the subjective data also having weird relationships yeah it's both so when it comes to how the supervisor felt about their family supportive behaviors that is impacts the subjective side so that that impacts like if I think I'm a good leader in this then my employees have better sleep hygiene and a better Mm -hmm. quality sleep Mm -hmm. 
if I think my employ my leader is doing this, then none of the subjective stuff is impacted. Okay. So I'm not okay. rating anything differently. The only okay. thing that's impacted is the objective data point. And in a negative watch. direction. In a negative direction. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's very interesting. That's very that's super curious. Yeah. I'm, I'm perplexed. I am too. I am too. But I do think that even though <laughs> I know all of you listening are like, okay, so now what do we do with this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're confused. What do we do? Yes. Um, I I do think though that one, the sleep leadership piece is interesting because yeah. I think my leader is a sleep leader. Then I feel like I'm getting better quality sleep. It's all subjective, but that's, that's good. That's important, right? You want to feel like you're getting enough sleep. Like no one is, I mean, I guess some people are probably tracking their sleep, but like generally speaking, if I wake up and I feel like I've had good sleep and I don't feel like exhausted during the day, it's like mm-hmm. one of the, one of the areas is around impairment. So like, do I feel like I'm being, I'm struggling because of my lack of sleep? If I don't feel that way, then I'm feeling good. So that's right. good. Right. Right. So yeah. having a leader that you think is a sleep leader that asks about your sleep and checks in on that, that's huge. Right. Um, or gives you tips about sleep or whatever. So that actually does have a positive impact. So I think that there's something there. Like I think that yeah. there's a good takeaway where leaders for one, you know, check in with your employees, you know, you check in on work tasks. Often you're checking in on personal life a little bit here and there, right? Like you are asking what people are doing. Um, if you're checking in on wellness, especially right now with COVID and a lot of people working from home and all of that, you're not really interacting. Ask people. It's okay to ask, how did you sleep last night? How's your sleep going? And if they're struggling, think about how you can help. What are the things you can do to help? Um, can you provide them some resources as to what they can do? Can you teach them what sleep hygiene is after this <laughs> podcast um, and help them think about ways to help their sleep? And then you're going to see an impact. Like people are going to feel like they are sleeping better because of your leadership there. Um, so I think that's pretty, pretty impactful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I also think that like, if you're a leader, you may not be good at knowing if you're actually doing this well. So you should probably ask people to give you feedback if they view you as a sleep leader also, because since the correlations were kind of low, it's like, do your best to do this, but then also ask people like, do you think that I'm doing a good job at this? Because you might not be the best judge of whether or not you're actually doing those behaviors. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I think from an employee perspective, you know, if you have a relationship with your leader that you feel comfortable enough talking about wellness issues you know bring it up say like honestly I haven't been sleeping that well like I feel like I do that all the time like I always tell people like oh I had the worst night's sleep like yeah woke me up by like poking me in the face or something weird and (laughs) um so like I feel like I talk about it all the time and I think it's totally fine like it's not out of balance to talk about whether you slept weird or um, right you got enough sleep so I think bring it up with your leader and you can model that behavior and you can also share this information with them. You know, maybe you know that across your team, people are struggling because of COVID or whatever's going on, or you have a really busy schedule with a lot of projects going on. Your whole team's got a lot going on. Maybe you can model that and you can talk about this and help people understand that, you know, we need to support each other's sleep and start thinking about resources. So I think from an employee perspective, it's a pretty easy ask to bring up and yeah it's not like you're saying oh well I listened to this podcast like immediately I should be you know paid differently or working 
in a different situation or I should be promoted or whatever. Like those are not easy to fix. But I think having your leader understand that sleep and having conversations around sleep is in bounds and can be very helpful, I think is very simple to to do. Yeah. And I think actually going back to the um, initial Marshall Goldsmith thing, like the idea of just having some check-in questions at the start of like a weekly meeting or something, you know, how are people doing from a wellness perspective and adding sleep into that and, um, you know, or asking people if you have individual meetings, like incorporating some wellness related questions, including sleep into the way that you're checking in with people so that they know that they can bring it up with you, but also so that, you know, you're opening the dialogue. And also I would say, I mean, probably another thing would be to, model good behaviors so that you're not like emailing people in the middle of the night and making them feel (laughs) like they like can't go to sleep because you're expecting that they're going to be responding to you know you at all hours of the day and whatever like there are also probably behaviors that you can do in addition to creating a culture or climate that people feel comfortable within but there are probably also behaviors that you can do to demonstrate that this is something that you care about and are actually like gonna you know walk the walk Mm mm-hmm I agree. I think that's huge. I think companies can also do something here, you know, talking about consulting projects, right? Yeah. (laughs) Let's uh, bring in some resources, help people have these conversations around sleep. Um, I mean, every, not everybody, but a lot of organizations have some sort of healthcare program, some initiatives there. I'm sure there are resources. I'm sure health insurance companies have sleep resources, Mm -hmm. make them available, make them accessible, make people aware that it exists and providing some of those resources I think can help too. And then hopefully that can trickle down and, you know, make it an expectation for your leaders that, you know, we want to model proper sleep. We want to ensure people are getting sleep and are getting the help if they're not so that we can have the most productive employees in the end, right? You need your employees to sleep if you want them to do well. Um, Obviously, we care about the wellness side. Companies care about performance a lot of times. So think about that. Like it's going to impact. We know it impacts performance if people are not sleeping well. So I think from a business perspective, it makes a lot of sense to care about sleep too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If people are coming in and they're just like depleted and exhausted, that's so not sustainable as we've spoken about before. I remember... um, And I may have said this in a prior sleep podcast, so forgive me if you have heard this, but I don't remember if I said it here or somewhere else. But I remember recently I was talking to someone who was really like um, well known in our field and he was like uh, talking to me about uh, he like travels all the time and he was like on the road and whatever. And um, it's not Herman and Guinness, by the way, because I realized when I'm saying that I'm like, people are going to think it's Herman and Guinness. It's not Herman. Um, (laughs) uh, He... uh, he was basically all, he was talking about traveling a bunch and whatever. And I was like, oh, man, like your schedule is so crazy. Like, uh, I don't know how you do it all or something. And he was like, well, you know, I just think that people just put too much stock in sleep. But he was like dead serious. He was like, you know, the more you sleep, the the more tired you are. Like if you just become uh, a li- if you just become like a lazy person, then like you have you don't have energy to get anything done, whatever. And he was like. I force myself to sleep no more than four hours a night because like, I just think like, I'm not going to waste my time sleeping and whatever. And when he was talking to me, I was just thinking like, wow, I would really dislike working for you because I bet he is modeling that to people that like, he's up at all hours of whatever, doing work and sending emails and blah, blah. And I'm sure nobody 
likes that, but it would send the message that, you know, it's not val. He was obviously explicit about not valuing it, but then he was also saying like he gets up and does work after four hours of sleep. So I'm sure like nobody appreciates that. And I was just kind of thinking like, wow, that's like a super toxic thought (laughs) Um, that the more you sleep, the more tired you are. Like, uh, (laughs) I don't think so. Like, have you looked at anything on this? I know. So, but this reminds me of Danny. Actually, he says that all the time. He's like, if I sleep too many hours, I'm more tired the next day. And I'm like, but I think that's because you're like, deprived of sleep right and you feel that way because you're finally like letting yourself get some sleep and then now you're realizing how deprived you are right we get in this argument all the time because he's like i don't really need that much sleep he doesn't put it on anybody else like he knows i need my sleep um and he will let me get my sleep and i like if i have if i'm below six hours i'm not normal if i'm below five hours i am really not normal yeah um So he understands that he's the weird one that after three or four hours of sleep, like he functions pretty normally. Um, But I still believe that he actually needs more sleep. (laughs) But he thinks that, well, when I sleep six hours or seven hours, I'm just sleepy. And I'm like, well, that's because you just need to get into that habit. And then I think you won't anymore. I think you just are too deprived. You're like running on empty all the time. But whatever. Not going to fix that problem with this episode because i've talked about it before and he still thinks he doesn't need any sleep so he's a weirdo out there yeah i mean i think as long as as long as he knows that like he is that way and other people might not be i feel like in the instance of this person that i was talking to he was literally being like if you're gonna be lazy it yeah. makes you more tired and i was like okay that's a lot like it's not being lazy to get more than four hours of sleep sir like that's a quite the assumption that you're making um so i think that you know if you're you should obviously not do that but like if you're really being conscious about what is the message that you're sending people about the importance of taking care of yourself in that regard and are you sending the message that you want to send and are you encouraging people to come in with um, you know, a full cup and a lot of energy to be able to dedicate to their job? Are you encouraging people to come in feeling, you know, burnout and dragging from the day before, which everybody every now and again has periods of time where they're going to have to work a little bit harder than usual. Maybe you won't be able to get a perfect night's sleep every night, whatever, but at least on the whole to feel like you can um, value that part of your lifestyle. And it's not like day in and day out, you're just like being expected to work to the bone or that there's like uh, an expectation that you just like won't talk about the fact that you slept because sleeping is not working, <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I a hundred percent agree. I think that, you know, if you have strange sleep habits or, you know, there are some people out there, there's like, I don't know. I saw a graph of the amount of sleep people need and majority fall within that like six to eight hour window. But there are some people that need more. There's some people that need less. So you can't really judge. And I think that's the biggest piece from what you, mm-hmm. the story you told is that, that valence that if you sleep too much more than this person thinks is appropriate, then you're lazy. Like you're putting right. a judgment on it versus right. I only sleep four hours and I feel fine. Like, right. That's great. You do you, but don't, right. Don't let that interfere. Anyways, that's kind of a long tangent, but I think it's really important because I do think some leaders can get into that habit of, of sharing too much about their lack of sleep and glorifying that 
Yeah. Instead of the opposite. So you become like a bad sleep leader versus a good sleep leader. Yeah. hundred percent. Don't be a bad sleep leader. Don't be a neutral sleep leader. Be a good sleep leader. But also ask other people if they think you're a good sleep leader because you could be wrong. <laughs> true. Very true. Well, thanks for listening to this article. I hope uh, I hope you found it interesting. Yeah, I totally did. Thanks for preparing it. It was very, very, very helpful. And I'm glad to learn about this new thing called sleep leadership. Yes, me too. We'd love to hear from all of you. Um, as always, we want to hear your stories, your thoughts, your messages. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can also find us on our website, workerbeing.com. And you can find us on social. We're at workerbeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to hear from you. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. 